Good morning. Good. We're glad that you're here today and uh, trust that you're already uh, prepared for the holiday season. And uh, and if you're not, good luck with that. Amen. And so uh, this morning we're uh, back in First Kings uh, chapter number 19. And over the last month or so, we've been talking about the reality and the powerful truth that God is with us. And the, one of the passages that we understand that there's one in Isaiah and then there's one in Matthew and it's actually only mentioned, the word Emmanuel is only mentioned three times in the entire Bible. But in Matthew chapter 123, the Bible says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. And the name Emmanuel, the the very meaning of it means uh, that God is with us, and it's actually symbolic of God's guiding and protecting presence among his people. And not just his people in a corporate way, right? It's his guiding and guarding ways in our lives personally. That's what it ultimately means when we understand the term and the reality and the truth of Emmanuel, God with us. Um, Eugene Cho once said, he said, he says this about the incarnation. He says, if the God of the universe was born in a dirty, messy manger, there's no mess in our lives that God is not willing to step into. And I don't know what your story is today, and I surely don't know where you're at spiritually, but I do know this, that you're not too far gone, that God isn't willing to step into your life and walk with you in the hardest moments of your life. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. And what we've been learning and studying and talking about over the last month is the the truth from the Word of God that teaches us that Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, uh, and, and if we understand the Bible, the Bible says, in the beginning the Word was God and the Word was with God. And Jesus himself stepped out into time and space to rescue us and to demonstrate how powerful his presence in our lives. And most of us this morning, we think we need a financial bailout. Most of us think we need a a counselor to come in and fix the relationships that are broken in our life. Or we think we need a promotion. Or we think that uh, we have this great need in our life. But I'm going to tell you the greatest need that we have in our life is the need for the presence of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to make the difference in our life in the long term. And so the truth is, is one, the reality that he is Emmanuel, God with us. The truth is one that we can anchor our hearts to when we doubt God's faithfulness in the difficult seasons of life. Just yesterday I was uh, talking with someone who was sharing with me. They, they grew up in the church. They were raised in the church, uh, raised to live righteously and morally and had a good family, good doctrinal teaching in their life. And and, and over the last several years, probably the last decade, it just seems like for this individual, like every single thing in their life has fallen apart, has come unglued at the seams. Just everything awful that you can expect in a person's life, it, it's happened to this, this one individual. Yesterday, we sat and chatted uh, with this person. And as they shared with us, my heart broke because in reality, here's a person who's saying, man, I'm really doubting my faith. I'm really doubting if there's a God and if he's real and if his presence is in my life. And one of the things that I want you to know today, that's very normal, right? Even as a pastor this morning, there's been seasons in my life where I've doubted the presence of God. I've doubted the reality of God, the truth of God. Is this, is this real? I mean, is this really worth investing my life into? And I think in our story today, the life of Elijah, we see the very same thing. And none of us are immune to doubting our faith. But I'm going to tell you this morning that God is faithful and that God is here something that we can anchor our hearts to in our deepest moments of need. It's not something that, uh, that can be readily fixed, but the reality, the truth, 
can impact us in such a way that when everything is coming apart at the seams and when everything is coming unglued, we have a sure foundation, and that is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, Jesus is God with us. Not just in a manger, not just in a story, but in real life moments that we experience and and in the moments that we need him most. The story of Christ isn't some cute fable. It's a powerful truth with real life implications. And all throughout history, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and we can go uh, into our modern history, but all throughout history, we see over and over again a loving, compassionate, and personal God drawing near when his people need him most. That's the story of God. And he does it in the valley. He does it in the storms. He does it in the wilderness, and he does it when he comes to us in the advent of the incarnation. And the hope that we have, the hope that you and I have this morning, is not in the bailout. It's not in getting therapy. It's not in all the things that we think that we must have in order for our life to meet our expectations. No, the hope that we have is found in a living, ever-present, ever-powerful Savior who guides and guards our ways as we walk through the uncertainty of this life. That's what it means when we say, God with us. And this morning, we see how God powerfully and lovingly draws near when we're at our worst. And this morning, we like to, and Christmas is a funny season, isn't it? Christmas is funny because I think sometimes it's a band-aid for, for, the, for the tragedies that are going on in our life. You know, maybe the marriage that we're in right now isn't what we expected that it would be. Maybe the job that we're in right now isn't what uh, we thought that it would amount to be. Or maybe the school that we started attending uh, as a college freshman, it's not working out and we don't want to talk to our parents about it. Or maybe there was a breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or of the person that you thought, man, they're the one, right? But sometimes Christmas is just kind of a band-aid and we, we gloss over the issues that we're facing And this text shows us how God responds when we run from our issues and our problems, when we run from them in fear. Because maybe you're here this morning and your marriage is falling apart and you're going to get a divorce as soon as the holidays are over. Maybe your kids are making poor choices and it's breaking your heart. Maybe you have a friend or family that's betrayed you and you feel all alone. Your job is going nowhere and you can't pay your bills. You can't find a suitable mate and you, you, you didn't get into the school that you want. And so this morning, in this moment, you feel stuck, you feel paralyzed, and maybe even afraid. And often you feel like you're like Elijah where you're alone in the wilderness, and your deepest need, listen to this, please write it down this morning, your deepest need can become your greatest gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your, your deepest need can be your greatest gift when it drives you to depend on God. Now, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet, and like he was responsible for some pretty amazing things, like amazing things. In fact, there were 16 miracles that were attributed to his ministry while he was a prophet for the nation of Israel. 16 miracles, two of which I find absolutely fascinating and probably some of my favorite stories in the Bible. One was he rose a kid from the dead, like this kid dies, he walks in brings the kid back to life. Now, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but that's, that's, some, that's some pretty legit miracle happening right there. Amen? Like that guy, I mean, that guy had the power of God flowing through him in a way that no one else did, right? And then he goes up to this mountain, Mount Carmel. My wife and I have been there 
and he goes up to Mount Carmel, and his arch enemies, right, if it was, if it was a Marvel or a DC comic, right, his arch enemies were, were Ahab and Jezebel. Now, Jezebel, I mean, you never name your daughter Jezebel. You know what I'm saying? Get, kind of get the picture? Jezebel was a wicked queen. Ahab was a wicked king, right? And so the children of Israel had walked away from God, and, and nobody was really following the Lord except for a few prophets. And so Elijah calls up this, this spiritual meeting up to the mountain, and he says, hey, look, I want to put your God to the test. And he goes, if you can make fire come from this wood, then we'll bow down and worship Baal, your God. And so the prophets all day cutting themselves and, and, and trying to make fire dancing and doing all these weird um, you know, uh, things to try to make this fire happen. So then Elijah walks up. He digs a pit around the, the, the altar there, fills it with water, dumps water on the wood, bows down and prays, and poof, Right? Now, you want to talk about being lit. I mean, that's the Old Testament version of being lit. Right? And then he takes out a sword. This, I mean, this is like legit pastoring right here. Takes out a sword and just starts killing the false false prophets, right? Could you imagine that? I mean, that's some crazy stuff. And yet, that was what God had called him. This guy was like, he was like amazing. In fact, um, in the New Testament, when Jesus appeared to Peter, James, and John, it was Moses, Elijah. I mean, those were the cats that were on the mount uh, hanging out with Jesus. They were the ones who were appearing. I mean, he was revered, right? I wanted you to understand this this morning. No matter where you've been spiritually or no matter what victories you've had, you're not exempt from finding yourself in the wilderness and needing a moment for God to draw near to your life. You see, Elijah, right after chapter 18, in verse 19, he falls into this deep depression, this deep desperation, because what happens is Ahab goes home and says, hey, you're not going to believe what Elijah did. And let me tell you something, Elijah didn't do that, God did that. So he goes back to his wife and starts whining to her, and now she says, I'm going to require his life before the day is over. And I mean, here's this this man of God who has uh, 16 miracles attributed to his life just got done slaughtering people like something out of Braveheart, you know, and calling down fire, which I don't know that ever happened in the Old Testament uh, before that. I mean, just some crazy stuff. And then now he's running from Jezebel. In fact, as we get into the story, he falls into this depression, this desperation, and here it is. And you might jot this down this morning. Elijah is exhausted. He's depleted. I want to ask you this morning, can you relate to that? Can you relate to that? I'm going to tell you, Christmas sometimes feels that way, doesn't it? Trying to do the right thing, trying to do what everyone wants you to do, trying to meet everyone's expectations, and trying to trying to live your life in a way that's righteous, in a way that's good, and, and sometimes you're just tired. And sometimes you're just depleted. I want to tell you this morning, there's an everlasting hope. There's an everlasting hope in a God who is with us. And listen, I want you to know this morning that when we run from God, this is the first thought this morning. When we run from God, listen to me, God is with us even when we run. God is with us even when we run. In verses 1 through 4, we see Elijah running. Elijah was a man of God, a prophet that God might have used. In the text, we see that when the situation turned to despair, instead of standing where he needed to stand, he ran where he didn't need to run. Right? 
He moved away from the place that God wanted him to be. And instead of relying on God, listen, please note this. Instead of relying on God, he ran from his problems. Instead of relying on God, he ran from his problems. Now, what's incredible about God is his pursuit of us even when we make unwise decisions. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's what that whole song was about this morning that uh, Jenna led us in today, the reckless love of God. It's, it's reckless in the sense that we do not deserve the passion and the pursuit of God in our lives, especially when we run from him and make unwise decisions. And friends, there is no greater grace than the God in heaven who is eternal, transcendent, holy, beautiful, magnificent in every way who pursues us. Oh, man. Psalm 139.7, David wrote about this, and he says, where shall I go from your spirit, and where shall I flee from your presence? Ahab, this wicked king, goes and tells his wife, a wicked queen, what Elijah had done in killing the prophets and calling down fire. He didn't tell her what God did, but, but, but what Elijah did. What a poser, right? This guy, I mean, he's a complete poser, right? And I mean, Elijah should have just like, I mean, he should have just knocked on the door of the castle there and be like, bring it, Jezebel, bring it. If God can call down fire from heaven, surely he can take care of you. And eventually God did. But in this moment, he was exhausted. He was tired. We'll learn more why he did it later on. But Elijah was a man that wanted to serve God. He faithfully proclaimed the goodness and the power of God to his people. And yet they always went back to their idols, living life apart from God. And in, 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 in chapter 8, uh, 18, 22, 46, he, he destroyed the prophets of Baal. There was no question. Listen, I want, I'm drawing a picture here. There was no question in chapter 18 of the power and the presence of God. There was no doubt about that in his life. But for someone who serves God, someone who loves people, you want to see those around you turn to God and live in a way that is godly and prosperous. You know why Pastor Mike and I get up week and uh, week, uh, week after week and, and, and we preach the word of God? You know how we make phone calls? You know how we counsel? You know how we, we try to implore you to be here? It's not because we get a raise or a, another notch on the belt because you're here. No, when a man loves God, and he's a man of God, and he's called of God, he wants to see those around him prosper in their life as they follow Jesus Christ. And friends, I want to tell you, this was the heart of Elijah. This is what he wanted for his life, and this is what he wanted for the glory of God. His dream, if you will, was that the people of God would serve the Lord, and yet they didn't. Now listen, we all have expectations. Those were the expectations of Elijah. That's what his dream was. That's what his unmet expectation in this life was. His dreams and his life didn't unfold the way that he desired or planned. And have you found yourself in that situation? When, when, when you have an expectation and you have a dream and your, your life doesn't unfold the way that you desire or plan, you know what that does? You know what that can do for you? That can lead you to a place of a wilderness. Man, I really thought my marriage was going to be like this. Or, man, I really thought my kids were going to go to this school. Or I thought they were going to take this job. Or I, I, I thought that, you know, I would uh, not have these ailments and these hurts and, and these betrayals in my life. And I just, I thought financially I'd be in a different situation. And I just, I thought my family would like me, right? You know, it's Christmas, you know. Maybe you're just realizing how much everyone thinks you're a nerd. You know, I don't know. But we all have these unmet expectations, these dreams, these desires. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, we've been trying for years to have a kid. And I just, 
but we can't make it happen. Or, man, I'm looking for that, that special someone to spend the rest of my life. And, man, I just want to know what it feels like to wake up next to my best friend every day. And I just feel this emptiness in my soul because I don't have that. Everyone else does, but I don't. And so what happens oftentimes is we find ourselves in a wilderness. And, man, it, <clears throat> and if that wasn't enough, after this great victory in Elijah's life, it was threatened by Jezebel. She's like, all right, fine. He's going to kill our prophets. I'm going to kill him. And so can you imagine Elijah's heart? And this is what serving God gets me. Where's the love? Where's the book deal? Where's the crowd? I mean, you know, where are those that are coming up behind me and saying, man, Elijah, you're the man. I mean, you called down fire from heaven. I'm all in with this cat. No, man, no one's following Elijah. No one was celebrating what he did. And oftentimes, I'm going to tell you, when you do the right thing, you will often stand alone. You will. So Elijah's response, and please don't, don't fault Elijah. We're going to talk about this today. But Elijah's response was to head to the wilderness for protection. Even, even when you try to run from God, he's near. He's with you. Oh, man, he's near. He's an ever-present help in the time of need. You know, sometimes I think a lot of people begin to think that they're too far gone. They've done too much. If you think, if you think that, if you think, man, my life's so messed up, God can't step in and redeem this. God can't step in and restore this. Man, God can't step in and wash away my guilt, my shame, my unwise decisions. If that's your heart this morning, then you truly don't understand the good news of the gospel. Because the cross of Jesus Christ stamps out all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame. And listen, Jesus makes all things new. And that's the ultimate truth of him coming near in our life. He fixed what is broken. He rescues those that are enslaved. Hey, he comes to make all things new. His grace is sufficient, and it's a truth that should change our lives. And friends, I want to tell you, there's no wilderness that you can go to that God won't pursue you. Even when you run from God, he'll pursue you in his purpose for your life. I want to say to you this morning, running from your problems will never they will never accomplish God's purpose in your life. Because without faith, without a faith that's fixed on God's faithfulness, we'll never find steadiness, steadiness in life. When you meet some saints, and it doesn't matter what their age is, but oftentimes you just meet certain saints, followers of Jesus Christ, but man, they're cool as a cucumber. and It doesn't matter what's coming their way. There's no stress, there's no worry, there's no angst in their soul. Because their, their hearts, their minds, and their eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to ask if you know that reality this morning, that God is with you. The second thing I want you to see is in verses 5 through 8, is that God is with us when we need rest. God is with us when we need rest. Man, instead of, uh, instead of Elijah getting a lecture, because that's, that's how I would roll with this problem, right? My kids mess up, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit them down and we're going to have a talk, right? We're going to fix this. Instead of Elijah getting a lecture, God met him with love, right? God met him with love. And so Elijah runs to the wilderness, and get this, he ran 120 miles. He ran 120 miles as fast as he could. Then he gets to the place where he was at. He leaves his servant there, runs another day into the wilderness in desperation, and, and, and in that moment, all alone, away from everyone else, he tells God, man, just take my life. I'm done. I've done all that I can. I'm through. Instead of rebuking him, God invites his servant to rest. Man, I love this. 
Let's look again at verse number five. The Bible says, and he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there at his head uh, was a cake of bread on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he laid down again, right? Now, friends, I don't know about you, but God's answer to his problem was like, here's a, here's a bunk cake, take a nap, drink some water. All right, take another nap. We live in such a performance-driven culture and a performance-driven society that we think that we always need to be doing something to accomplish whatever our goal is. And sometimes I think God wants us to pull away so that we can trust in his sovereign, loving hand and find rest and know that he's at work even when we take a nap. Oh, man, that was good. I just like taking naps, so, so say what you will, but there's a cool application coming up. Instead of rebuking him, God invites him to rest. This gentle disposition of our compassionate God, an angel has sent in, in his moment of need to minister to him. Elijah takes a nap, he eats the cake, he drinks some water, then he takes another nap, then the angel returns, and listen, the angel returns and encourages him to eat and drink for his journey because the journey is great. And what's fascinating to me is that he gets some rest, and then God, God says, I'm not done with you yet. And sometimes we think, man, when we detour, or we do something dumb or unwise or, or foolish, that, man, God can't use us again. But, man, serving God, listen, serving God and doing the right thing in life is not always easy. And in the Word, we find encouragement to keep moving forward for the journey. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not faint. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, when uh, the, 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 the Jews were uh, laden down with all the rules, all right, there were over seven, 800 different commands, positives and negatives, that they were supposed to keep in order to fulfill the righteous law. And Jesus says to them, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Man, what an invitation. Jesus would invite us not necessarily to work for him, but to rest in him. Man, that's good news for us this morning. One pastor said it during this uh, holiday season. His name is Joby Martin. He says, so, so this Christmas, are you anxious? Are you frustrated, freaking out over presents, or just the power bill? Or maybe it's unresolved conflict in your family. Maybe the divorce is final, and this is the first Christmas without your kids, or your first Christmas without a loved one. And so now your stress level goes higher and higher, and it begins to be too much. And if you're honest, what you really feel is exhausted because you're trying to control all the circumstances so you and yours will be happy. But God has so much more than temporary happiness. This is where we find Elijah, exhausted, worried, afraid, and in the most despairing moment of his natural-born life, listen, in the most despairing moment of his natural-born life, God draws near and offers him rest. So I don't know what it is that you're facing this morning. I don't know what mountain or what wilderness that you're in today, but I want you to know this. God is inviting you into a moment of rest. God meets us at our weakest and most exhausted and offers us rest, and he offers us hope. But not only that, God is with us for the renewal. God is with us for the renewal. Mike didn't read this today, but in verses 9 through 18, let's pick up reading there just for a moment. The Bible says he gets, he gets going on his journey. Verse 9, he says, there he came to a cave and he lodged in it. 
And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah, what are you doing here? And listen to what Elijah says. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, listen to what he says. He exaggerates here. I, even only I, am left, and, and, and they seek my life and take it away. Now, this is where I was talking about earlier about the, the unmet dreams and expectations. Elijah's like, look, God, I've been serving you. I've been doing what you've asked me to do. Everything that you've wanted me to do, I've done it. I've crossed every T. I've dotted every I. And listen, I've done all this, and I'm the only one that's serving you, which isn't true because if you read the history here in 1 Kings, Obadiah was another prophet who hid some prophets away from Ahab and Jezebel, and and Elijah was a part of this, and protected them from her and from them uh, so that they could be preserved in uh, doing the work of the Lord. But here it is, in his desperate moment, he, he's looking around and he thinks he's the only one that the earth revolves around. And isn't that how we are from time to time? When things go, uh, uh, come apart, when the seams come undone, we feel like, man, I'm the only one doing it right here. I'm the only one that's got this thing down. And God, this is the best you can do? I mean, really? And I could do better than this. And that's exactly what he's saying here in verse number 10. And so, in verse number 11, the Bible says, and he says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind toward the mountains, man. And sometimes, you know what? That's exactly what you need. What you and I need isn't necessarily an answer to our problem, but it's a moment in the presence of God. Boy, we need that more than anything. And he says, he says, go out there in a great strong wind toward the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind and an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the, the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, listen to this, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped up his face. He knew, he knew, he knew. He knew he was in the presence of God then. He heard the low whisper. And he wraps his face up, just like Moses did. And he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What is going on? So here's a man that was running from God, a man who needed rest, and now here we find a man that needed renewal. In a cave, coming out of the wilderness, running in fear from Jezebel, listen to this, God draws near and personally and renews his servant. Listen, you're never too far from God. You can't run far enough away from him that he won't draw near to you with his presence. We have a God who is near. We have a God who is personal. We have a God who gives us purpose and constantly renews us to live a life that matters. That's the God that we serve. And after God ministered to his physical needs, Elijah is brought to this cave where God begins to speak to him and commission him for the work that he had called him to do. He tells Elijah, if you read through the rest of the text, we won't take time to do that today, but he says, I need you to go and you're gonna, this is one of the, the, the responsibilities of the prophet. There's two kings. I need them to be anointed. And then there's this other guy. His name is Elisha. And listen, he's going to take your place. And, and we're going to give him a double portion of the Spirit of God on his life. And I want you to anoint him for the work that I've called him to do. Listen, God uses Elijah. And I think this is fascinating. He uses him in spite of his lack of faith. You know what that is? That's grace, my friends. 
Because God has called you and me to a great work. The great work of making disciples of Jesus Christ that make disciples that make disciples. Sometimes that starts in our marriage. Sometimes that starts in our home. Sometimes it starts in our work. Sometimes God calls us to to greater things. And sometimes God calls us to ordinary things. But in reality, it's in the ordinary moments of life that God does his most extraordinary work. And oftentimes we're so busy that we don't see that God is at work. And I want you to know this morning that in the busyness of life is when we lose sight of what God has truly called us to do. To live the life that truly matters. The life that that really is eternal and transcendent. And God is is realigning Elijah's mind, his heart, and his vision for what God called him to. And this is what's so fascinating about our God because he never ever gives up on his servants. He is constantly inviting us to follow him and serve his purposes. And friends, listen to me today. That's good news. God is constantly pursuing you. He's inviting you into the mission of God. He's asking you to to make much of him in the life that he has given you because your life is a gift from God. And if you're drawing breath this morning, God has a purpose for your life. I want you to know this morning the wilderness can break you or it can build you. For Elijah, that meant a time to be built up so that he could be sent back out into the mission of God. And listen to this. Your faith, or lack of it, is not the basis of God's faithfulness to you. Your faith, or lack of faith, is not the basis of God's faithfulness to you. And sometimes I sit back in amazement, because I know that I can be incredibly unfaithful to God. In fact, Timothy says, you know, um, that he is faithful even when we are not faithful to him. And I'm just amazed that, that, that God does his work in my life even when, Even when I don't make the right decision, even when I try to run from him, or even when I ignore him, God is constantly wooing me and renewing me and drawing me and pursuing me in his purpose and plan for my life. And listen, he will not give up on you. And as a pastor, and as pastors, we believe that. And we're going to go after you, and we're going we're to encourage you, and we're going to challenge you, and we're going to try to speak faith into your life so that you can do all that God has called you to do. You may have faced some incredible setbacks this year. I look around the room and I can just see some of the the faces and some of the stories and some of the hurts and some of the losses and some of the the news that many of you got this year and it's just devastating. For many people it would have broken them. But yet I want to remind you that God is near. And that he is faithful. And he will never desert you, ever. Some of you have been in the wilderness here. And I want you to know, it's time to be renewed. It's time to come out of the wilderness. It's time to step out of the cave. It's time to be in the presence of God. It's time to be renewed. It's time to serve him with greater zeal, greater passion, and a more aligned focus with his will and purpose for your life. Man, let's step into 2019 with purpose and focus unlike ever before, regardless of whether or not you're 16, 17, 18 years old, or if you're, you know, uh, in your 50s or 60s or 70s, listen, God wants your life to mean something. And that's why he's redeemed and rescued us and commissioned us. He renewed Elijah. He renewed his purpose. Elijah was in a cave, and 
and God demonstrated his power. But listen, you read that passage, you know that? And Elijah sees these miracles. He sees the earth quaking and the fire going and the wind blowing. But you know what renewed him? You know what, you know what fired him up? It wasn't seeing what God could do. It was being in the presence of God. We can look around and we can see all the things that are God, God is doing. And oftentimes we ignore it or we're apathetic to it. Like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. They over and over again saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And they, they were unimpressed with what God was doing. Every day they'd walk out of their tent and there was manna there for them to eat. They didn't have to even work. It was just there. They just ate enough for that day. Then they'd go out the next day and they'd eat some more. They saw God part the Red Sea. And they were unimpressed. Whenever you see God's people coming into his presence, you see God doing a renewing work. And that's exactly what happens in this passage today. In Psalm 19.7, the Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. If you want to draw near to God, you're going to have to commit to being in the word of God. A.W. Tozer once said, new worlds will arise out of the religious mist once we approach the Bible, not as a book that was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. So here we find Elijah stepping out of that cave, and in a still, small voice, God speaks to his servant, renews his purpose, renews his passion, and he does it in his presence. And some of you this morning are like, man, I don't feel God's presence in my life. I don't know God's presence in my life. Friends, I want to tell you, if you want to know the presence of God, get in the Word of God. Open this good book and learn from it. Let it shape your heart, your mind, your life, your dreams, your ambitions, your expectations. Let it navigate you through the most difficult, despairing, and depressing moments of your life and find a hope to anchor your soul to that when everything is falling apart, you're steady so that the lost world can see the hope that we have in an everlasting, ever-faithful God. That's what it means when we say God is near. God is near. Now listen, we all face wilderness moments where we're discouraged and depleted. I think of our students today. I think of our kids today, man. You know, our kids kind of have it rough. I mean, I know we're not living in a wartime era, but, man, we live in a messed up society. We live in a really messed up culture. I mean, I I heard some things. I'm coaching junior high basketball this week, and I, I heard of an eighth grader that was talking about some inappropriate things this week at school. I mean, I mean, things I can't even repeat out loud, surely not in mixed company. And I'm thinking, these are the things that that kids are exposed to today? And kids have it tough today. Girls have it. So I got two girls, and man, the drama that they come home with at times is just, it's insane. And not them personally, but the girls around them. And I'm just, I'm amazed. And sometimes our students, we we don't recognize that, man, maybe they're going through a tough time. You know, they need the presence of God in their lives. Maybe, maybe you didn't make the team or get the part in the drama at school or whatever your situation is. Maybe you find yourself as a student in the wilderness this morning. Maybe you work for this passive-aggressive boss who's always demanding and you just don't know what to do and nothing that you ever do pleases him. You know, that could find you in a wilderness. Maybe you're trying to make up ground financially. You know, you're trying to get out of debt, start tithing and start doing the right thing with your money and then your, then your car breaks, right? Then the toilet breaks, you know, and then your garage door gets messed up or your wife locks you out of the house, you know, something crazy like that. It's one more expense. It's just racking up. But even in all of that, in all of that, God is faithful to pursue you to the end of the earth. In the wilderness, in the storm, in the valley, in the incarnation, 
He's willing to leave heaven and all its glorious galaxies, and he's willing to step into a womb and be born of a virgin and, and take his first breath, just like you and I took our first breath and lived 30-plus years so that we can know and find hope in his precious love demonstrated on Calvary. There's no greater illustration of the reality of God with us than the incarnation. Tomorrow, tomorrow is Christmas Eve. And we, we should be thinking about, tonight we have our candlelight service, and we're going to be reminded that God is with us. And we're going to be reminded that Christ stepped out of heaven into this messy world to redeem us from sin and restore brokenness. And everything that's wrong in your life right now, everything, will not be fixed by more stuff. And if you think that a bigger house or a nicer car or a new marriage or a better job or a different school is going to fix what's broken in your heart and in your life, you're wrong. It's nothing more than drinking sand. You're going to be thirsty for more, and it will never satisfy the brokenness and the emptiness of your soul because the only thing that you were ever intended to be satisfied with was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's something this world cannot offer you. It's something that religion cannot deliver, but it's Jesus Christ and Him personally involved in your life. So He wants to help us. He wants to draw near to us when we're discouraged, depressed, and even depleted. And this powerful truth applies to those who have yet to receive Christ and follow Him. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and maybe you're trapped, listen, God has a design for your life, man. He has a design for every single area of your life. But because of sin, we find that our life often tends to be broken. And because of that brokenness, we try to find ways to mitigate the 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 the. The, the emptiness of our soul with sex and drugs and, and success and, and all the different things that this world offers. But it's only when we repent and believe and find hope in the gospel that we can begin to recover and pursue God's design for our life. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, if you feel trapped and there's no way out, I'm going to tell you Jesus is the escape door and he'll make all things new. Man, Christ stepped into this messy, broken world. He will rescue us from sin, from shame, bondage, and guilt. He's alive to see us through the suffering and the struggles that we face. And just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that your life is going to be every day a Friday or your best life now. Oh, man. It just means that when life gets messy, he steps into it with us so that our hearts and lives can be anchored to something that is transcendent to what this world offers. You can know a joy and you can know a peace. And you can know a comfort that will transcend the the hurt, the betrayals, the frustrations, and the brokenness that we find in this world. And know that one day Jesus came to be born and to die, but he's coming again in the second advent to reconcile and make all things new. And one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And just like Jesus came near 2,000 years ago in a cave in a manger around some some animals, some shepherds, and some, 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 some uh, wise men, one day, friends, he's coming again, and he will make all things new. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor Jay, I know for sure that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and if I were to slip out into eternity today, I, I know heaven's my home, and I've been forgiven of my sins, and I, I'm, I, have, I have a right relationship with God, and I know that this morning. Would you lift your hand today? Just let me see those hands all over the room today. 
But how many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm not completely sure that I'm a follower of Christ. Not really sure of my, my salvation, my, my relationship with God. And if I were to slip out into eternity today, I don't know where I'd land. Would you just lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Is there anyone that's like that that's here today? Amen. Now, how many of you would say to me this morning, Jay, I, I don't, man, I find myself in the w- wilderness today. I feel a bit depleted, kind of discouraged, and I just, I don't know, I, if I were being honest, I don't even know how I got here, but I know that I need to find rest and renewal in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and I just want you to pray for me this morning. Would you lift your hand just so that I can pray for you today? Man, just lift those hands up. Yes, 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 yes. Amen, amen, amen. Hands all over the room. Father in heaven, we want to thank you again for Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, God, that you drew near. We want to thank you this morning that when we run from you, you run after us. That You offer us renewal, that you offer us purpose, that you offer us, Lord, rest when we need it most. So, Father, this morning, we pray, God, that you just continue to guide us and direct us, your people, as you are our God, Emmanuel. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. John's going to lead us.